All right, real quick, people, before we get into today's show, we've just released a new course, Periodization for Periods, all around how to train women around their monthly cycle, and we've got it on special. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes. You are now listening to the Fitness Education Online Podcast, the podcast where fitness professionals go to grow their fitness business. If you're in the fitness industry, you'll find tips and strategies from proven business experts. Now, let's start the show. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fitness Education Online Podcast. I'm your host, Jono, and I am super excited because we've got an absolute rock star on the line this week. He is... probably one of the leaders, if not the leader in the fitness industry when it comes to speaking about hypertrophy and also fat loss as well. Uh, He owns a gym down in there in Melbourne. He's a very successful trainer. He's an international presenter. He's a course creator. It's the one and only Mr. Ben Siong. Ben, how are you, mate? I am very well, mate. I I don't know whether I live up to the expectation of of that introduction, Uh, but look, I'm I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for getting, getting me on. No, thanks for coming on. I'm sure you'll knock it out of the park. Um, And for all of those listening, Ben's got a couple courses with us at Fitness Education Online. He's got his fat loss course, which a lot of people may have done before listening to this. Um, He's also got a course on hypertrophy that we've just actually released. It's been approved with with OsActive. And at the the time this goes live, the course will be live. So if you like the topic hypertrophy, even skip the podcast and just go straight to the course if you want. But for those of you that want to get a bit of background first, Ben, let us know a little bit about you. From my understanding, you used to be a, a personal trainer at Fitness First, um, and pretty quick you sprung board to be an international presenter, speaking at things at all the, the big conferences in Australia, in New Zealand, in Singapore, all over Asia, all over the world. How did that happen? Tell us that story. Uh, okay, so I was a trainer's fitness business, as you mentioned, but I think that really gave me a good base and understanding of what I wanted to do. Uh, my clientele quickly changed from training just your, you know, your general population to people who were more specific with their goals. I started to uh, started to prep people for bodybuilding shows. So hypertrophy is the science of putting on muscle and what better way uh, to be able to use this than on your group of bodybuilders, right? People who want to put on more muscle because they want to compete in stage. And so I kind of delve into the world of bodybuilding. Um, It it was something I'd always loved to be able to create a physique, uh, an aesthetic looking physique, but to be able to do it naturally. And and how can you do it with the the smartness of science? Um, And and so I I kind of worked with uh, a lot of bodybuilders, bikini athletes, uh, and then also utilize that knowledge for athletes because a lot of athletes in their off-season, for example, might want to put on some size for the particular role that they're playing in their sports, in their position. Uh, and so I, I use a lot of these particular techniques uh, for hypertrophy. Uh, and it came a time where I felt that I needed to branch out and open my own facility uh, to be able to train clients in, in a way that I saw was more appropriate for them. Uh, I always felt that, you know, I, uh, in, a, in a small, in a smaller space or a commercial gym, there wasn't the equipment that I needed. And so I was able to purchase a whole bunch of very interesting toys. Now, Johnny, you've been to my gym. Uh, you know, there is a lot of interesting toys around. I, I, I continually look for equipment that can tax the body, that can give the best results, the best stimulus for hypertrophy and strength. Um, and, and so this is, this is, you know, it becomes a sort of a lab where I train myself, my clients, 
um, and it kind of grew from there. So the, 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 the courses that I create, that I write and I teach kind of stemmed from my own interest in myself as well as my continual quest to be able to create results for clients from a fat loss perspective, from a hypertrophy perspective. Um, and I put into a course, I put a lot of this information into a course uh, and that actually started off in 2013 uh, wow. and that was in kind of, yeah, 2013 to 2014. And that started off in, in Malaysia uh, and one thing kind of led to another. So you, started just, off, just, just a question, uh, Ben, a were, you, were, were you working in Malaysia at the time or you were working in Melbourne at the no, time? No, no, not. I was, uh, I would just, I just transitioned from fitness first. Okay. Into the center that I am right now. Correct. And the first so course was in was Malaysia. In the first course was in Malaysia. Funny enough, I, I had a client who was interested in, you know, all that he had learned with me and he was so passionate about it. He said, look, I, I want, I want you to be able to transcribe all this information and put it into a simple seminar or course. And I want to bring it to Malaysia. Uh, and so he did. You was know, wait, was, he, was he was he Malaysian? Was this an online client, or was that? Uh, I'm still no, trying to piece no, the no, no. He was Australian. So he was a client. He was he was a client with me in Fitness First, and he was an international student. Okay. He was Malaysian. Okay. Uh, and he was, you know, he he drew a lot of interest because he had trained with numerous trainers. No one was able to give him the science as well as the results. And in that period of training with me for a year and a half, I think he got the most results he had ever seen. And he was fascinated, fascinated with why I did certain things uh, and how I did it. Was he and, an athlete? Was he an athlete? Uh, so I was able to put... was, was he an athlete or a bodybuilder? No, he was... wasn't. No, was he wasn't. Gen, gen pop. He was. He, he, gen pop client was very interested in getting great aesthetics looking okay. good basically yep yep, yep. you know and uh, he was quite serious about things he, he was serious about his physique he really wanted to see how far he could push himself uh, and so he you know we, we kind of worked together and he opened the doors for me to certain areas in Malaysia and gyms in Malaysia and it kind of started from there because was within he, the course who, who was this guy how does he just have all these <laughs> is he just a great entrepreneur he had these connections how did he just yeah, pretty he much wasn't Okay, there we go. So he Pretty did much. all your marketing and whatnot and just said, Ben, come my to Malaysia. To with. Okay. Yep, he pretty much did that. So he said, look, let me take this as a project and I, I want to organize. Let's let's put it this way. He saw what I couldn't see in the information I was giving him at that time. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was I was happy to get that information. But yeah. for him, it was like, this, it, this, this does not exist in Malaysia. And I see there's a lot of potential for this information within the gyms in Malaysia. So I'm going to take it upon myself as a project to organize something uh, with the gym. So he called separate gyms. He tried to organize with them uh, space as well as an opportunity for me to go down and speak. Uh, and he started promoting it to the trainers of the gyms. And so he actually took this as a marketing project, if you wanted to, to put yeah. it that way. That's a great combination as well, isn't it? Because you've got that really yeah. technical scientific knowledge um, and mm -hmm. he's got kind of that, the connect or the, the entrepreneurial side of things where he can just go to a different country or he might be based in that country and just market it over there. So that's great. Spot okay. on. Spot on. Keep going. So you ran it in Malaysia. I'm guessing it was pretty I, successful. And it was, it was very successful. So, uh, you know, that, that really gave me, I, I guess, the – the foundation or the base to know, okay, these courses are the information I'm teaching is, is more than valuable because people don't know 
you know, sometimes when you're so caught up in learning, you assume everyone around you yeah. will learn the same things. Yeah. But that assumption is is just an assumption because mm. there's so many people out there that have the misconception of information that comes through. Uh, and, and so one thing led to another. I met individuals in the course that invited mm. me either to their countries uh, or said, you know, we're going to set you up with uh, this organization and that organization. And, and so it kind of started um, – ball rolling in that sense so from yeah. malaysia uh i i moved to different states of malaysia to do the course i moved to singapore to do the course um and interestingly you know while i did teach the course in malaysia to start off with uh it, it really allowed me to branch internationally i moved from malaysia to doing a lot of work in the middle east Mm. straight from Malaysia to Dubai, actually. Okay. And in Dubai, I was, I was teaching in, in conferences as well as teaching my courses. And that moved me into other places such as you know Egypt, Saudi Arabia, uh, Kuwait, and so forth within the Middle give East. Us, give us uh, all of them. Give us all of them. Give us a list of all the countries you've presented or spoken at. Yeah, yeah. You know them all? It, it Can you remember them all? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So I do a lot of work within South, Southeast Asia, okay. uh, Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong, uh, Malaysia, Philippines. So I, I typically will speak at their conferences as well as teach my courses down there. Uh, and then within the Middle East itself, those countries that I did mention, which is like Egypt, Dubai, uh, Kuwait, um, Saudi. Uh, and uh, there's actually a lot, uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, fitness awareness starting to rise in a lot of these uh, Middle Eastern countries, right? A lot of trainers are very keen to learn. Um, Canada is definitely one of them as well, and then obviously Australia, New Zealand um, is is my home and is is, is where I, I do the courses as well. So awesome. yeah, quite a few countries. Cool. Well, sounds like you know what you're talking about, Ben. So I'm excited to to dive into it. Um, let's start with hypertrophy. You mentioned you know you've yeah. worked with bodybuilders. Um, to my understanding, your take you obviously do a lot of that work but all your principles are also appropriate for general public or, or tell, what is hypertrophy? Let's start there. Hypertrophy is a difficult word to pronounce. Let's put it this way. <laughs> a lot of people would not be able to pronounce it. In fact, a lot of people will shy away from that word because, you know, it, for whatever reason, it intimidates people. Mm. Now, hypertrophy simply is the signs of muscle gain. How do you Build muscle. That's really what hypertrophy is, right? We're talking here about your muscle cell that grows, the growth of a muscle cell. Um, and you know what? I think when we're talking about muscle growth, again, it is a, a, a concept that you attach to bodybuilding. Obviously, who are the biggest guys on stage? You know, the bodybuilders. But nevertheless, the concept of building muscle is so applicable across the board. You will get general population clients like most of us who train, come to you and the first thing they would say is, look, I want to get fit. Uh, I want to get stronger. I want to put on a little bit of muscle. I want to get toned. You know, girls would go, I want to tone my legs. I want to get toned. These words are all alternative words for putting on muscle. Essentially, it is hypertrophy. Mm. You would, if you're training a demographic that is over 50, for example, uh, menopausal women, uh, uh, you know, the, the older generation, they will come to you and tell you, I want to get fit. I want to get stronger. Right, and we know right now, and science does tell us that obviously, if you're getting older, uh, your ability to put on muscle is a great predictor for, uh, I guess, the the safety of an el uh, an, an an older person. In that sense, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it reduces the incidences of falls, of fractures. Uh, they'll be they are more sustaining in what they do. So, 
putting on muscle is, is a very important, very important phenomenon uh, that I think a lot of us kind of overlook. We assume, you know, we'll be able just to maintain our muscle throughout. Uh, but we also know because of the way the body starts to age, when we hit a particular age, uh, based on hormones, for example, we start to lose that muscle mass. So what can we do as we start to lose that muscle mass naturally to try to prevent that from happening, to try to maintain as much muscle as possible? Uh, in fact, to try to change this hormonal environment in our body. And that really is the science that will back up hypertrophy. Why is it so important? Now, I've, I've spoken about general population. I've spoken about uh, an aging population. But hypertrophy is also very prominent and pertinent for athletes. We need to hypertrophy certain muscles to prevent them from getting injured as they play the sport. Uh, certain athletes need to put on more size in the off-season so that you know they'll be able to take more knocks during the season, so that they'll be able to get bigger for their particular position in the sport. And so, you know, when I talk about hypertrophy, these are concepts that are concepts that can move laterally. We're not talking about bodybuilders. We're talking about concepts, yes, there is bodybuilding style training, absolutely. But hypertrophy concepts uh, and and different styles of training can also be applied to athletes, can also be applied to populations that are getting older, right, to be able to increase muscle mass. Uh, hypertrophy can also be applied to rehabilitation. So I use a lot of those concepts for clients that are going through rehabilitation. So a lot of you that may be listening to this, and again, to this word hypertrophy, it's not a word to be of. It's not a word just to be associated with bodybuilders. It is a scientific word that we all need to use in our training in one form or the other. The question comes, how can we effectively use it for the demographic that we are targeting or the people that we are training? That's the question. Love it. And you've got me excited, Ben. It sounds like almost a miracle drug, you know? <laughs> like whatever your situation is, this thing is going to help you. It is. Putting on muscle is a miracle drug. It really is because your the optimal conditions, your, your body needs to have optimal conditions to be able to build that muscle. Mm. It's not as easy as you think it is. Muscle is a liability. You need calories to sustain it. You need to be able to work towards it. So, you know, it, it's it's not... It's not a snap of the finger that you put on the muscle. I wish it was that easy. I would be laughing if it was. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, let's dive into some of the, the tips, Ben, and up to you whether you give us maybe concepts or specific tips, whatever. But let's say everyone sure. listening to this is a personal trainer. They've all had, as you've mentioned, yep. clients that come in and say, I want to get toned. I want to put on muscle. I want to look good. I want to get stronger, whatever it may be. What's the first thing? that you do or that you recommend that personal trainer should do for their client? Well, we want to identify the base of a client. So essentially, where's your client starting from? Has your client done any sort of activity before? So these are all basic questions that I think any trainer or coach would have to ask their client. It's important to establish the base of your client, right? From the base of your client, we then need to create programs for them. That's what we do uh, on how we can encourage them to move better to increase their range of movement, to move without pain, and so forth. So in terms of hypertrophy, if we are going to help them to build muscle, we need to understand firstly, where is their base? Are they coming from a rehabilitation base? Right? Now, can you still build muscle in a rehabilitation phase? The goal really is not to build muscle per se, unless you are completely atrophied, 
right? The goal really is to be able to increase the range of movement without any sort of pain. Uh, and we need to work on that. So where is the base of a client? If, if a client comes from a uh, rehabilitation base and telling you, I want to put on a lot of muscle, that might be a substantially longer period of time, right? Mm-hmm. If a client comes from a base where they've played sport and they go, I'm, my joints are great, I'm, I'm healthy, I can move perfectly and I want to put on muscle, it's a lot easier to create a program for them. So the first thing we need to identify is what is the base of a client? Okay. A couple of questions with that, Ben. I'd say most people yes. listening to this will be training gen pop kind of people. You know, it's office workers, it's um, moms, it's it's that kind of demographic there. What would you do to determine that base? Do you have specific questionnaires? Do you have specific tests you do? Do you kind of, you're, you may be more experienced, so you kind of go off the cuff, but how would you recommend, say it's that gen pop population, how, how, do you, how would you determine that base as a personal trainer? So the two things, if you're a personal trainer, even without just assessing your clients, so an assessment is necessary, right? We definitely use my, myself and, and the trainers that I coach will go through a particular, uh, I guess, questionnaire that, that uh, I've designed. So essentially, we're looking at the static posture of the client to identify, uh, you know, where, where, how is the client positioned uh, from a postural perspective. So a static posture, we're looking at from a, a transverse plane, a sagittal plane, uh, and understand where the body is. And then we look at their dynamic posture. Dy- dynamic posture and static posture is going to be quite different. Uh, a static posture is how you're standing. A dynamic posture is how you're performing during an exercise. So to give you an idea, a lot of athletes have very poor static postures. They mm-hmm. slouch, they twist to one side because of their sport, like a boxer will stand to one side. But yeah. when they perform an exercise, they're very efficient in performing it. They mm-hmm. can do it full grass squats. They're very, very efficient in moving their body. So their dynamic posture may be poor, but their static posture is great. Some people have a good static posture because they know how to stand, but when it comes to a dynamic posture, they have no coordination. So I'm more concerned, to be honest with you, about the the overall understanding of, of them. So we use this as a guideline. And then we'll take clients through a screening uh, methodology. We use four, four basic exercises to screen them, to Make sure to understand the range of movement in the lower half, the range of movement in the upper half. Uh, and we are able then to combine the information that we have. And obviously, we will go through a questionnaire with regards to any sort of injuries they might have, any sort of pain sustained and so forth. So it is a comprehensive uh, structural questionnaire that we go through with them to understand where they are. Now, from there, we can then design a program for them based on that questionnaire. Mm-hmm. The program is often based on on the practicality of what the client uh, needs. So for example, if I'm dealing with a client that can only train twice a week, most of you guys will be. Try not to create programs that are, you know, I've got a four-day split for this particular Mm -hmm. program, uh, lots of different exercises. Well, the client will not commit to it for one because they can only train twice a week. So sometimes it's about taking all that information, which is extremely necessary, and then diluting it down as a very simple solution for a client that can only train twice a week once a week and the the the, the uh, effectiveness the smarts of the trainer or a coach is to be able to dilute that information mm-hmm. a lot of coaches think that if i learn you know the information out there and i become very very smart i can write all these sexy programs i call them superman programs for clients mm-hmm. which looks great on paper but has absolutely no practicality the client can't do them the coach themselves won't be able to perform them because it's too difficult mm-hmm. uh, and it becomes impractical the client shies away from the program they don't come to the gym they don't get results. It's a reflection of the coach. Mm. So, you know, based on all the screening, we come 
uh, up with a simple solution, the simplest solution that we can give to the client. So if the client trains twice a week, we tend to create a program that allows them to, to, you know, to come in those two days, two different programs, each program catered to certain goals that they are asking us for. So we look at the goals of the client. Client, maybe I want to lean my legs up or I want to you know, put a muscle on my back or my arms. We take that into consideration. And then we also include what the client needs. So mm-hmm. think about it. What the client wants, very important because it keeps the client interested in the program. And what the client needs may not necessarily be what they want, yeah. but it's essential to give them an understanding of, of those exercises because it paves the way to creating a better, uh, you know, a, a better body, a better physique, and helps helps them with their goals. So it could be anything from remedial work, remedial exercises. It could be anything from guys who just want to train their upper body, yeah. right? But we need to include the lower body as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who hate or shy away from certain exercises because it involves them to move to a full range of movement and they're not able to. So it might be exercises that force a, a stretch or a lengthening position on them and so forth. So it, it's, be, it's a combination of that to be able to give that to the client. Uh, and then also think about hypertrophy. If the client wants muscle, how can I create a program that also includes hypertrophy? And I've got a couple of tips that you can include in your programming to drive hypertrophy. Let's do it. And I'll just, I'll just share. I love that point you mentioned about essentially giving the client what they want but also what they need as well. Cause that was drummed into me from a young age, even my parents, uh, you know, when I needed to take medicine, when I was sick or whatever, they'd put it in my ice cream and it's the same kind of thing that you're, do- you're doing, right? They're like, you want to have ice cream? Yeah. Donna? You can, but you got to put your medicine in there. That's kind of right. what you're doing there, right? Give them what they want, Pretty much. but also yep. sneak in there what they need as well. So love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's speak about pro and actually even thinking about it. If we can kind of cover, you've covered the base, which I think is perfect. The other two things I'd like to to cover, and I think you're going to get to it anyway with the programming, is, yeah, if we can speak about the programming side of things, but then also yeah. the actual session as well. Because I feel they're two different things, right? What you're programming for is like, right, here's your 12-week thing, X amount of sessions, here's what to include, yada, yada, yada. But then in the actual session, there's those things there. Is, is that cool if we do those, if we do that? Yeah, absolutely. All absolutely. Right. I think you're moving on a, to programming, and you had two two particular tips there. I do. Okay. So when we program for a client, okay, again, it's it's to be able to give them something that they are able to do. So the one thing we need to understand is that a lot of clients, when they perform movements, we are programmed to move fast. Why? Because the body is efficient. Why? Because when you do move fast, you avoid building up lactic or lactic acid within your muscles itself. Right. So like say most people go to the gym, they do a bench press. You see guys on Monday, which is International Chest Day, they're very keen to yeah. go to the bench press. They're very keen to load up on the weight and they go 10 reps, they're, you know, pumping it out fast. They're like, okay, great. I've done 10 reps. Mm. A prerequisite of hypertrophy is you need to maintain tension. This term tension is often underrated by a lot of people, overlooked. Tension means that you need to be able to move the weight slow enough to create a certain amount of resistance in the muscle. Okay, That tension is critical because it will start to, um, I guess, cause a whole cascade of chemical reactions within the muscle itself that will drive hypertrophy. We're talking here about anabolic responses, hormonal responses, uh, satellite cells that would differentiate and so forth. So there's a whole range of 
chemical reactions that would drive hypertrophy if there is enough tension that is maintained through the set. So the, the one thing they need to maintain with clients is that a lot of clients that work out and say, I want to build muscle, are moving the weight too fast. They don't give the muscles enough tension under that particular load. A key to be able to control your client's tension is to add in tempo into their training. Tempo is the speed of movement. How fast or how slow you move weight is what we call tempo. So for example, if I tell you, oh, I want you to move the dumbbell slow. What exactly is slow? Yeah. What exactly is fast? Mm. Tempo defines it for us. So mm. if I tell you I want right. you to do a, a tempo of 4010, for example, that means I want you to lower the weight essentially for four seconds and take up the weight concentrically for one second. I'm specific now. So that means every rep that you do now constitutes five seconds. That's, that's specific, which is great. So if you're doing 10 reps, it's 50 seconds of consistent tension that your muscles bear to lift that dumbbell. Mm. Now, 50 seconds is a long time. Question is, which person in the gym actually does a curl for 50 seconds? Go look around you. Mm. You will not be able to find many people in the gym that would focus on tempo. Why? Because people are wanting to finish their exercise fast. For them, it's moving the weight from point A to point B. Mm. The science of building muscle is not about moving the weight from point A to point B. The science of muscle is to be able to maintain tension from point A to point B, not just moving the weight because we can move a weight in a squat, for example, mm. but then at the top position, you lock your legs out, you lock your knees out, which also means you lose the tension. Mm. Now, if I wanted you to maintain tension, that means at the top position of a squat, you maintain soft knees. Mm. Then you come down to the bottom of a squat. You don't rest. You might hold an isometric contraction and then you come up again, keeping that tension. Keep doing that and your legs will start to burn. Mm. That burn is what we try to avoid. We mm. escape from. Because it but hurts. That, oh yeah, but that mm. burn is what will create the optimal conditions for hypertrophy. Mm. So most of us, a lot of us, for example, that might be involved in group classes, uh, training clients outdoors, all that kind of stuff. Who is to say we cannot incorporate tempo within the training itself sure the exercises that are you know cardiovascular based for example you know you're doing things like ropes you're doing you can't have tension with ropes mm. but you can get them to do it for a certain period of time which can build up the tension mm. however if they're doing bodyweight squats why are you looking just for numbers mm. when you can actually get them to focus on tempo mm. because then you can really start to build up that tension so think about this. In programming, if you can include tempo within the training itself, you can completely change programs because the moment you alter the speed of movement on a concentric or an eccentric or add in pauses, that changes the whole ballgame for programming mm -hmm. itself. 100%. And even because uh, even when you mentioned the outdoor, the boot camp, the group side of things, even just for variety purposes, it's kind of like, Absolutely. you know, hey, this week, we're doing just even basic ones, squats, push-ups, whatever it may be. You do them at one Correct. tempo this week here. You can do those same exercises the next week, but you do a completely different and tempo and it's going to yeah. feel completely different. Completely different. Exactly. Yeah. It. Exactly. It. So it's a great way to introduce variety to a movement without changing the movement. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. All right. That's tip number one, is it, in programming? Tension? Tip number one. All right. Tip number Tension. two. Okay, so you've got to keep tension. Now, tip number two is 
with regards to training, I think it's very important. I'm going to look at this from a holistic point of view. A lot of people, when they train, we become addicted to the endorphins that it gives our body, right? Mm. Uh, often when we go to the gym, we take pride in spending time in the gym. The more time we spend in the gym, the longer we train, the mm. more of a you know warrior we are. And we take a lot of pride in this. One issue that we don't consider is the fact that when we do too much volume, it can actually be detrimental to our recovery. So this concept here is that hypertrophy and the ability to build muscle is only as effective as how well you recover. Mm. If you do not recover well and you keep pushing your body again and again and again and again, you will find that your body will respond more by increasing cortisol, which is stress, as opposed to put on muscle. Now, there are many, many factors when it comes to recovery. In fact, recovery itself is a whole topic that we need to delve into. How can you effectively recover, right? But on top of you know looking at calories, on top of looking at food, rest, sleep, all that kind of stuff, recovery sometimes is knowing when to pull back from your training. Mm. So sometimes you know, find, people will find that I cannot build muscle anymore, even though I'm training really hard and I'm putting in my time in the gym and I'm going six days a week. And one of the reasons why is because you probably have pushed your training too much that you are not recovering enough. Mm. Now, we can look at this as, you know, people talk about overtraining. And there's a, a lot of uh, talk about overtraining that oh, overtraining nowadays is a myth. People don't overtrain. If anything, they're undertrained. But when we're looking at overtraining, the word training sometimes refers to a physical uh, entity. You have to physically do something to train, yeah, overtraining. The body doesn't just look at the physical entity with regards to stress. If you're stressed at work, you're stressed with your family, you're stressed with finance, you're stressed with a whole range of different things, your body builds up cortisol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you train too much, your body also builds up cortisol. So your body doesn't care whether it's training or it's food or it's financial stress or family, it builds up cortisol all in all. Too much cortisol in your body is a catabolic agent. That means you understand it starts to break down muscle. If your goal is to put on muscle and you are consistently introducing cortisol into your body because you are training too much, stressing too much, and doing a whole range of things, you're not effective in hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. So one of the roles of a trainer is that coaches need to step back to look at their client, understand their lifestyle, understand whether doing too much can be a positive thing for them or it's a negative thing for them. It is a case-by-case scenario. Do you need to pull your client back instead of getting them to train six days a week? Train less, but in doing so, gaining more in the process by putting on muscle. Mm. So doing less to gain more. Love it. That's great. Um, All right. Let's move on to the actual, actual session now, Ben. Now, this might be a tricky one to to give tips on, but you're the expert in the matter, so I'm sure you can. Let's say, and I guess there's a couple ways to do it. Let's say you've given the person a program, whether it's a Ben Siong yeah, program, yeah. whether a personal trainer has, that client is now in the gym doing that program. Let's say with the trainer, I guess technically you could say they could be doing it on their own as well, but let's say with the trainer, what are the are there anything that is there anything the trainer can do in that actual session to get the most out of the program? In terms of what? Like, I mean. Um, probably to get you to get the most, uh, any different way, really. Like I, I'd say probably to get you to get that uh, for the client to get the most out of the program. So let's say, for example, you know, you've given the client the program. It's, hey, do these exercises, uh, these reps, 
these tempos, like the client could kind of do it better or worse. Would I be right in saying that? Or what, what's your take on, take on that? Well, first and foremost, an exercise is not an exercise, right? So the trainer needs to understand that the execution of a given exercise needs to be specific. Mm. Whether they, the trainer does that is, is relative. Some trainers do it very well. Some mm. don't understand the dynamics of the exercise or the biomechanics. And so they're not able to show it or get the client to do it. So you really need a keen eye for that. Yeah. The next thing, the next thing is that I find trainers over cue their clients. So within the program itself, the goal of the trainer is to support the client in understanding the program. Trainers become too technical and too into explaining the exercise to a client. The way I like to do it is this. Most of the time, what I would do with the client is, okay, here's a movement I want you to do. I will perform the movement first and I'll say, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to try the movement. So you get the client to try it. On the first goal that the client does it, obviously feedback is critical. Now mm -hmm. that feedback needs to be short and succinct. Trainers mm -hmm. often like to rattle on. Oh no, that's not how you do a squat. You need to pull out your knees. You need to keep your back straight. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. Nothing goes in the client's head. The mm -hmm. client is trying to coordinate and understand what they're trying to do is a new movement. All these words that you are saying, all these big words that you're using, does not make sense. Mm -hmm. Pick one thing, two things that you can correct your client on and incorporate within that feedback itself. Yeah. Okay. Which could be, I want you to focus your force on outside your foot. That's it. So for mm -hmm. the next few reps, let's try that. Get the client to focus on one thing first, and they're good at it. Okay. Next thing in cueing, and I think cueing is extremely important, is using short words, like words or a very short phrase to get the client to understand what they need to do. So, for example, if I need the client to exert pressure on the outside of their foot because they are caving in, for example, I would say foot. And I'll tell my client, if I say foot, you need to know the pressure is on the outside. So yeah. instead of me trying to explain everything again, I'll look at you and every rep that you do, foot, 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 foot. Question Straight away, they start to pick something up. Question with that. And this go a few different ways, but I'll share what I'm, I'm – I'll, I'll, let me know your thoughts on this. Um, and I guess this comes down to the base as well. You won't give clients an exercise that is too difficult if they're a beginner. I think that's the the kind of just of it. Absolutely. But let's say yep. let's say you get yep. a client who's doing an exercise. Let's say a barbell squat, right? And mm -hmm. it's the the Ben Siong barbell squat is a ten out of ten. They're at a let's say a five out of ten. Was that bad mm -hmm. programming for you? Should you not have programmed it? Can you get them to a ten? No in that session or do you get them to a seven in that session and say, come back later? What's how much do you do in that session? There are two ways to look at an exercise. The first way is whether the exercise is detrimental to the person, whether it will hurt the person, mm. for example, right. Or yep. whether the exercise is being performed, they're not doing it as good as they can, but it won't hurt them. Gotcha. So if, if the exercise is going to hurt them, for example, if they're loading up with a barbell and they're not doing a squat properly, Mm. I will not get them to do a barbell squat until they get it right. I will gotcha. take off the barbell. Yep. How can they do a squat body weight? And if they're still doing it wrong with body weight, they don't deserve to do a squat. Let's yep. regress the exercise and move to something completely different. Yep. Yep. Right. But I would have known that because I've already given them the screening procedure. Mm. So hence, a squat will not be in my program yep. if I saw that they could not even pass my screening procedure. Uh, procedure. And my screening procedure does not include a squat. Mm, okay. It includes a split squat. Okay. So 
I want to see what is going on with the biomechanics of the client even before an exercise is. So if an exercise is dangerous, move away from that completely. Yeah. Don't yeah. even think about loading the client up. Yeah. I always think that if the client can't even do body weight, they don't deserve to put weight on. Yeah, but if the client is performing a barbell squat, okay, and they're, they're doing it, they're doing it okay. They've got a few things that are tight, you know, this and that, which most people are. Yeah. That's, that's fine. Sometimes they need to get their groove. Sometimes they need to warm up more. So your call is, okay, should you put back the bar and maybe get a few drills in, activation drills to kind of make your body more pliable? Uh, or, for example, let's say your range of movement is so bad, can I alter the exercise to give you a more comfortable range of movement to begin? Okay, mm-hmm. So for me, my philosophy is I want to be able to make sure that physiologically they can move through a full range of movement for the joint. However, yeah. if they can't do that, my goal is not to push them now, but is to slowly inch my way to getting them to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, it, They can't do it for a variety of different reasons. One of the reasons I find people often don't get there is because they, there is actually a mental barrier to what they're able to do. And I'll give you an example of this. A lot of people that come to the gym have an idea of what a squat is. A squat is a, um, a movement where they, they move their knees to slightly at 90 degrees or slightly above. Yeah. They don't go below because they've been taught that that's being dangerous. Mm. Well, that's not the case for every person. Mm. Right, And it's a very general rule. So mm-hmm. you want to be able to find out with a client, can they go lower? A lot of people stop there because they're trained to stop there yep. as opposed to their ability. Yep. So why are you stopping someone if they have the full ability, the completely safe, completely healthy knees to actually go into a full range? That actually mm-hmm. helps to minimize a lot of imbalances that they're creating by stopping that range. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it comes back to you know what where the client's base is and what you're able to do with the client. Love it. Well, Ben, as we can tell, you could probably talk about this all day, um, but we're coming to the end of the podcast here. So for everyone listening to this, if you liked Ben's episode, he's got a course, Hypertrophy Essentials for Fitness Professionals. It's on. It'll be on special by the time the podcast re- uh, is released. So put the link down below. Um, ben, let's say someone's not ready to do the course yet, but they want to follow you. They want to see where you're up to. Where do we go to follow you? Uh, two two places you can have a look at. One of them is obviously um, Instagram. So you can look at me at Ben Performance Coach on Instagram. That would be great. Um, and we are on YouTube as well. If you want to come and uh, go go on uh, YouTube to be able to see, so it's Learn Australian Strength Performance. Learn Australian Strength Performance on YouTube. Uh, you'll be able to see a lot of the stuff that I talk about. Uh, we talk a lot about movement patterns, about exercises. Uh, about ways on how you can hypertrophy as well as maximize fat loss. So we do a lot of body composition work. Awesome. All right, Ben, that's pretty yeah, much YouTube, all. Instagram. Awesome. And I'll put those links down in the show notes. Um, ben, that's yep. pretty much all I wanted to get through today. Is there anything I should have asked you but forgot to or anything you want to finish us off with? You know, what I would love to do is to be able to get in interest obviously from uh the family the crew that might want to know more about hypertrophy and maybe even to do a short seminar very much like how we've done with fat loss we've done a, a seminar of fat loss and that was really really popular we'll probably do a seminar with hypertrophy if people are interested in finding out more about hypertrophy and remember the 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 stands or the direction that i'm taking is not just 
here's the science, here's the theory, this is what you need to do. It's how applicable is that science to the demographic that you're training? What can you do? So it's, it's the application that makes you the good trainer. It is not the knowledge itself. And I'm really big on that. Mm. So I, I, want, I, want, I want the seminar to focus on that practical application. What are some of the big takeaways that you can draw, extract from the seminar to implement in your client training right now that helps them to overcome plateaus? Awesome. Well, if you're interested in that seminar, what I recommend doing, just send Ben a DM on Instagram. And if we get enough interest, we'll put it together. Um, Awesome. All right, Ben, thank you very much for your time. Lovely. No problem, mate. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening. If you liked this show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your fitness business, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au. Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans? Check out Mealsy, the ultimate solution for creating custom meal plans in just a few simple clicks. With Mealsy, you can say goodbye to countless hours spent on meal planning. Our Australian meal planning web app is designed to save you time and effort so you can focus on what really matters, your clients and their success. Mealsy provides you with a vast library of recipes all created by nutrition professionals. From breakfast to dinner and everything in between, we've got you covered. Whether you want to create a custom meal plan tailored to your client's needs or choose from our selection of ready-made meal plans, Mealsy has the flexibility to accommodate your preferences. So why waste precious time and energy creating meal plans from scratch? Let Mealsy do the heavy lifting for you or you focus on delivering exceptional fitness services. Join the community of fitness professionals who have revolutionized their business with Mealsy. Visit our website at www.mealsy.com and sign up today. Mealsy, the smarter way to meal plan for fitness professionals.